Welcome back to another episode of the Global Startup Movement. I'm your host, Andrew Berkowitz. As always, thank you for tuning in. It is such a pleasure to have you here. I met today's guest at an event in the Nigerian embassy here in Washington, D.C. a few weeks ago, and after seeing him speak, I knew I had to get him on the show. Peter Karenge grew up in a poor area in Eastland Estates in Kenya and has since gone on to build a massively successful multinational company spanning the U.S., Kenya, and Rwanda across sectors including architecture, oil and gas, healthcare, and more that we dive into during our conversation. Peter is a fascinating guy, and his incredible story is just more proof that it doesn't matter your circumstances starting out. If you work hard, if you have a strong desire, and you keep a positive mental attitude, you can accomplish whatever you set out to do in life. And so without further ado, here's my conversation with Peter Karenge, the president and founder of B360. Entrepreneurship has become a global phenomenon. Uncover the stories of entrepreneurs and investors worldwide, from Sub-Saharan Africa to Silicon Valley and beyond, here on the Global Startup Movement. Now, here's your host, Andrew Berkowitz. Here in the offices of Peter Karenga, who is the CEO and founder of Biz Solutions 360. Peter, why don't you maybe start us off just a broad view of, of what Biz Solution does? So, Biz Solution 360, or B360, we are a full service provider of differentiated services and products to governments, private organizations in various industries, including infrastructure, industry, energy. Uh, international trade, uh, and construction, among others. Uh, We provide industries uh, these services mainly on four tiers. We have four key divisions. Uh, The first one is the architectural engineering division. I'm an architect. My partner is an engineer. So we offer, we call them AE, AE AE-related services, uh, including, uh, of course, the actual design, architectural engineering, but also project management, construction management, industrial uh, relationship services in the AE. So a design division, that's where we started off. Then that grew into another division, which we call the design belt. And that, that, that came in as, as a result of our clients requesting for a one-stop shop service where they just want the key. So basically you do the design, but also do the construction. It's, it, it's a concept that mainly started uh, in the United States, but now has taken root even in various places in Africa. Then we have a third division, we call it the trade and logistics. This mainly deals with products and services, uh, especially on the US Africa space. Uh, Then finally, we have the consulting division. This is more of the software services to support this other division. So, and all of these particular divisions have their own set of clientele, across the industries that I've mentioned. So for the AE, we have our clients ranging from uh, the State Highway Administration, uh, the governments here in DC and in Maryland. Uh, we also are working with agencies like the General Service, GSA. We are a, a, a GSA schedule holder, uh, but also other agencies. Like we do a lot of work for, for the Social Security Administration. We do work for the FBI uh, in, 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 in New York. Uh, and other agencies as the AE. The design build, same thing, but a lot of the design build divisions work is in the US Africa space. So uh, we are a 
uh, a sub on various projects, including state work. So like embassies, the embassy, the U.S. embassy extension in Kenya, the U.S. embassy extension in, in Uganda, uh, where we are subbing with some of the larger farms here. But we are also the prime on some of these contracts, or either by ourselves or as a JV. Uh, one of our largest contracts, which we're really proud of, is a USAID in Liberia, uh, where we are expanding universities right across uh, five of the states in, 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 in Liberia. In Lofa, Grand, Basa, Nimba, Monrovia, just to name a few. And uh, that includes basically just university extensions, but also a, a lot of, 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 of policy component in terms of how do you improve entrepreneurship in these areas? Uh, how do you improve uh, training uh, in these areas? Just utilizing uh, the, the design build uh, projects called the Shine uh, project. So, and on that, we are a JV with JLN P360. Uh, on the trade and logistics, doing a lot of work, especially in um, still in the US Africa space in Botswana, uh, where we are winding up a project for the University of Maryland, supporting a staff of 180 uh, uh, employees in the medical field uh, all over uh, Botswana. Uh, we are also working with a company called Zura in Kenya and Somalia, where we are. We support the American troops, uh, providing them with fuel. Uh, this ranges from jet fuel, gasoline, uh, diesel. And we're doing this in Somalia, in three towns, Kismayu, Baledogle, and Mogadishu. Uh, but also doing the same in Kenya, in Lamu, and in Mombasa. For the consulting division uh, right across, uh, different areas, you know, uh, and, and this this is this this is the division that we're really keen uh, in growing in the last couple of in the next couple of months. Yeah, awesome. So I mean, you have a very very diversified portfolio. Yes, of, we do. Uh, of interest, it seems like. So I I, I want to kind of really start this off going back to when you when you were growing up in Kenya. It was yeah. probably when um, Kenyatta was first kind of beginning his rule, right? Yeah. Um, how did growing up in Eastern States in, in Kenya kind of shape? your philosophy and business, or can you tell us a little, a little bit about what your childhood was like? Great. Yeah, and uh, I, was, I was born uh, at the time of, of actually uh, President Moy, okay. uh, who then, after that, there was Kibaki, then Kenyatta. Uh, but it, it was, I was born in Bahati. You know, I, I always say it's, uh, Bahati, it was, it was a great experience. Bahati is one of the first smaller towns started up in the late, 50s in the in the 60s, uh, this is uh, after independence, where the Africans could actually live, and uh, very very humble a place. Uh, uh, they are they, they are more of of, of very communal, uh, but 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 very simple spaces. You know, spaces where families of of, of six or seven would sometimes share a room, and and the, all the bathrooms were. While, while outside, and you, you, you had to, to go, you know, you, you are sharing uh, probably 30, 40 people, uh, a bathroom, and, 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 uh, and it was outside, so it was, it was always scary, especially for, for, for the women and, and the sisters, you know, they had to make a call at night. But still very communal, relatively well designed in the sense that, you know, you had areas where you could go out and play. At our time, it was pretty safe, you know. However, the challenges 
or wake, you know, insecurity. I would say uh, a lot, a lot of, of unfortunately, alcohol uh, abuse, especially in the area that I was brought up. So uh, that's that's where I was brought up, and 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 then was there right through my elementary school or primary school, uh, going to high school. Uh, but my parents also ensured that we we had a feel of, of how life was at the village, which is where they were from, which is where they were born. Bahati Islands is in Nairobi, but uh, they were born in, 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 in the village, right, in the countryside, and they ensured that we had. So uh, whenever we could, whenever schools were closed, we'd be on the bus to the village. So we learned how to farm, uh, how to grow, how to, you know, weed, plant, uh, weed, harvest, a bit maize and, and and those those were some of the better better times you know the the village it's much more spacious everybody knows everybody you know Bahati is more of, of a melting point for everybody but in the village almost everybody's your relative and 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 you know it's no electricity but just much so and but so that also was a, a large part of, of, of our upbringing but generally are uh, very very humble through and through. Uh, so that, that that was that was intense for us, uh, and, and especially a great uh, tool for me. Uh, my mom ran a shop. I always say I learned most of my business uh, from my mother. Uh, she 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 ran a small shop, and most of the time we had to be very creative to make sure that we actually these these food on the table. Uh, my dad was a teacher, uh, but still there was need to supplement that income, especially with a family. Uh, we were a, a, a family of, of, of seven kids. And we had our relatives uh, with us, so at one time it would be maybe 11, 12 uh, miles to feed, not to not not to count uh, our parents. Uh, so uh, as the firstborn, I had to be, I had to really raise my game all the time. You know, I had to work on a day-to-day basis. You know, I remember I would come home from lunch to try and uh, help with selling the shop, distribute some of the. We would do some some sodas, a very very small scale uh, sale of of, of of soft drinks, uh, Coca Cola. Uh, which I remember we would, you know, get on credit and then sell uh, and distribute. So I would try and come over lunch hour to do that. Uh, and then definitely in the evening, uh, once I'm done with my homework, I would make sure that I do that. And uh, I started doing that since I was, as, as I, I believe, around maybe eight, nine, ten years old. So by that time, I could actually, I had a feel of what it means to get something on credit uh, to uh, go out there and try to get a customer and, and, and convince a customer why your product is, is better than the other one, even if it's a generic product like a drink, uh, but also uh, why they need to buy it from you. But also deliver that and then eventually go and get that and get paid. Make sure you write the receipts and go and, and, and you demand for your money. And once you get your money, uh, pay uh, the, the, the wholesaler and, and, and have something remaining uh, for you to buy bread or, or whatever it is that, that is required. So that was a, a, a large part of our bringing. Uh, but also, and as much as uh, this was the case, my parents, uh, my parents, especially my father, who was a, a primary school teacher, was very, uh, they, were very they, they really understood the importance of education, you know, and, and they, they really encouraged us to do as much as we can. They also sacrificed a lot. You know, I, I believe they could probably have afforded to live at a better environment, but then they wouldn't have afforded to do that and also take us to some of the schools that they took us. So you'll find us in as much as we were living in Bahati, uh, we would go to school in, 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 in Harambe. This is a, a much better area 
where the schools were at least at that time the best schools in one of the better schools in 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 in, in Islands, and that definitely instilled to us the importance of a good education, uh, which is what uh, really uh, enabled us to to get to where we were. You know, all of us, all all the kids ended up being very uh, very very doing very well in school, and 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 just being able to to move on and and and, and get out of that particular situation uh, but also i would say uh, a lot of uh, faith in faith faith played a key a key role uh, we all brought up in a in a space that you know we, we understand that you know fearing god is the beginning of wisdom and when when things were not working out just making sure that we, we we put god in the picture and also when things work out we put god in the picture again uh, so that's that's that was islands you know but then moved on went to jamuhuri high school it's not very highly rated school, but uh, a pretty a decent school because I, I did pretty well in, in, in my in my KCPE. And then after that, went to the University of Nairobi, uh, where I did a degree in architecture, six-year course. And, and, and it's at that time where I was now starting to, to be able to really find myself and, and, and develop that confidence that I needed to be who, who I am. Uh, and uh, at the University of Nairobi was heavy architecture school curriculum very very intense but still i had to pay my way so i had to do a lot of tennis uh, coaching and that is that is also the other aspect of my life that, that works that balance between education and sports i always tell my kids i i am where i am yes because of education but uh the sports were sports was a catapult uh, that, that that put me where i am so after that i, I represented kenya in davis cup this is just immediately after I graduated, around 2002, and uh, picked up by the International Tennis Federation to go and work in South Africa in a tennis camp uh, where I was working with some of the most talented kids in Africa. And it is at that point where I got the scholarship to come to the United States to play and coach tennis uh, in a uh, school called Virginia Intermont. And so was that the first time that you were in the U.S.? Yes. So what was your first... Uh... I guess initial culture shock or imp- impression of, of of the U.S. back I mean, it it was it was it was an eye opener. I had lived in South Africa for one and a half years, which is very developed. You know, been to Cape Town, uh, been to to Johannesburg, uh, but the U.S. What hit me a lot was just the the amount of open spaces. You know, the amount of open spaces. But I was also pleasantly surprised at the the courtesy. And I would say the hospitality of the American people in terms of, of uh, I mean, I landed in this country with probably $50 in my pocket. Uh, but just during that first semester at Virginia Intermont, you know, uh, uh, I remember the, the head coach who I was to work with picked me up at the airport. And, uh, and yes, the weather, it was very cold and he couldn't believe that I came in and I just had something. So I remember him giving me, I forget these shirts they used to wear down in the South that are, that are, that are heavy, but like blanketed, you know, and they have all of this checkered. I think they use them for hunting and, and stuff like that. But he gave me a couple of that. His name was, was Coach Ron. Great, great guy. So that is one thing that, that, that truly impacted me. Uh, especially uh, having lived and worked in South Africa. South Africa, it's a beautiful country. It's great. Uh, has a lot of potential. But I have to say, in my opinion, it's one of the most. There's a lot of class. You know. You know. We. 
uh, there's you know you the, you you have you have the the, the you have the, the whites, you have the, the colors, the yellows, and 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 then you have the blacks, and even even that is still uh, still structured. And I mean, it's it's beautiful, but it, especially living in Pretoria, you could feel it everywhere. So apart from the opportunity, uh, I mean, apart from the people in the United States, one thing that also just occurred to me was just the potential to achieve what one intended to achieve you know be it be it in sports uh, be it in in uh, corporate life or be it in business so that that really impacted me so after three months uh, after a couple of months working uh, with the school i transitioned to the dc area uh, I, I remember I've, I've i've done it you name it i've coached i've i've i've, I've worked as a valet uh, I've worked as, as uh, at one time I washed bathrooms. Uh, at the, I remember at, at the place where that I was coaching. I mean, there was nobody to wash the bathroom. They're like, you know what? I'll come in the evenings and I'll do it. And you know, I think I did a pretty good job. Uh, <laughs> I think I can wash a bathroom as good as any person uh, out there. But yeah, so basically, just developing that and improving that in that regard. Worked a lot. After that, uh, got a a job as, 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 as an architect. And uh, I've worked for some of the smaller companies. I've worked for some of the larger companies. Because also, once I got here, uh, did a master's in IT uh, to work with my architecture degree. And then uh, later, I worked for some of the larger companies. Most of my work was based in where it was multifaceted, where architecture or construction uh, meets technology went up to become an, a regional IT manager of one of the larger firms in D.C. Uh, called Parsons, which later was here international. Uh, they were merged together by a company called Balfabidi uh, before studying research at B360 in 2008. Yeah. So I mean, it seems like the, the common thread that I see across your journey mm-hmm. is having a pos- positive mental attitude yeah. and hard work. Yes. And it seems like those two things have been really uh, the... Um, I think what you learned yeah. growing up in, in Kenya and also yes. contribute to contribute to your success. Yeah. Um, so you said 2008. So B360 was the first like real kind of company that you that you, you set out to build. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Basically, uh, 2008 uh, and and I was still working. You know, yeah. I was still working. B360 was more of a sidekick. You know, uh, and uh, that one of the things that I I, I did was for all. Everybody I worked with, I was always very transparent. I've always worked on being very transparent in whatever it is that I'm doing. If you look at my Facebook page, I, I, I almost uh, just talk about everything uh, uh, that I'm doing. But uh, so I, I remember around 2000 and, uh, 2012, which is when now we started getting serious with B360, was telling my employer that, hey, I think B360 now is, is growing to a place whereby it may start affecting. Because what I would do is, wherever I worked, I would probably, you're right, you know, I, I, I work hard. I've, I've been uh, gifted to have a lot of energy. I would still give my employer 50, 60 hours of work, of quality work, uh, when he's just expecting 40. Uh, but then also probably find 20, 30 hours a week uh, for Beatrice 60. But it had grown to the point where we now had seven employees just here in the U.S., and uh, when it got to that point, then 
I realized I was it, it, it was a high time to just transition. So we had a great agreement. I mean, a, a great uh, conversation with my employers, and, and, and they allowed me transition. And, and they still we still work with them uh, here international uh, or persons. Now they're back to international. Uh, we still have a lot of a lot of work with them. Very very cordial relationship. But you're right. Uh, it's a lot of hard work. Uh, it's a lot of focus. Been very very positive. Uh, but just uh, uh, also just you know basing that on on, on a good foundation uh, on a good relationship with God. Yeah. yeah. One thing I want to make sure we touch on because you've had a lot of experience in the business connections between the U.S. business community and the Africa business community. Yeah. How would you advise? a U.S.-based investor, you know, angel or VC investor today mm-hmm. that they're seeing all these exciting headlines coming out of mm-hmm. Africa. They see the report by McKinsey that Africa is the next big growth opportunity, yes. um, but they don't know where, where to start or how to, how to go about it. So how, how would you advise that type of investor to, um, to go about making their first investment into an African SME? Great. That's a good question. Uh, but, but one of the things that I'm really glad is you you bringing up the, the aspect of McKinsey, Africa's the next economic frontier. And I'm glad. I, I think that has been, that horse has been beaten enough. You know, uh, if, if, if anybody is, is, is hasn't understood that yet, then probably they, they, they're already too late, you know, in terms of that. So this is now the how. And as far as the how is concerned, I would say it's it's the same thing. Uh, it's the same process as if you're doing business here in the United States. You know, I, I would break it into into three very simple parts uh, as far as, as as how you do business. First, first is just being very clear about uh, the process that you'll follow as far as identifying the need, identifying the gap. So, Africa, there is a lot of need for everything right across the spectrum, technology, uh, food, trade, uh, construction, infrastructure, energy, you name it. So depending on the need, on what the person, on what the investor is really interested in. Uh, just last week, uh, uh, we were in a meeting talking about just natural gas investment opportunities in Africa. There is a lot of opportunity, just basing it uh, from the actual resource just to take Kenya as an example, there's a lot of natural gas resources, uh, be it in Lamu, uh, be it in, in, in uh, on the shoreline, or even inland, or even other sources like geothermal. Uh, and the need, of course, is humongous. You know, probably only 73%, 73% of energy consumption, they use, they're using biomass. They're not using uh, actual renewable or, or even electricity uh, for that matter. So huge gap. So identifying the need and developing a good product is, is really critical. Uh, then after that is fulfilling the need, especially fulfilling the need in a level, in the quality as, 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 as good as the American corporate environment demands. You know, sometimes uh, a lot of investors make the mistake, which is the mistake the Chinese are making, that uh, you can just give Africans substandard services and they are going to take it. You know, you may be able to to bribe one or two people and get your services delivered and get paid, but then the end user, their users who on Facebook and all of that, they know that what they expect. So fulfilling that need and fulfilling it uh, in providing uh, quality uh, goods and in good time. So fulfilling 
a need. And part of fulfilling uh, that need is uh, understanding the people, understanding the end user, in this case, the African, uh, whether it's, uh, if it's in Kenya, whether it's a rural uh, a provider, whether it's a, uh, an urban. So just understanding exactly what it is they need and, and, and when they need it and at what quantities. Uh, then secondly, part of understanding them is just understanding their culture. You know, one of the items that doesn't work very well with American businessmen or American investors is they have this policy where they spend a week in a country and they think they've, they've done it. You know, <laughs> you know they, uh, sometimes they, I, some people call it the, the seagull mentality. You know, a seagull, it's, 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 on, it's on land, but then it goes out to the sea, it poops, and then it comes back. And that really has to stop. You know, American investors have to be, have to understand that, you know, you need to get to the ground. You need to understand the culture of these people, understand their need as it is. That way you can develop a product that works for them. You know, uh, but you can't just expect to whilst Kenya, they see these people all the time. You know, you have to come in and, and, and show the dedication and commitment that you're there, just like you're investing in anything. Uh, instead of expecting to come in and have your meetings and sign the contract and be out of there. So uh, that has, that, 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 that needs to change. Uh, but, but also just other areas like trying to understand uh, the language of, of some of these people, you know, they, they don't want you to, to be able to communicate to them, but they appreciate it uh, when you can say hello in their language. Yeah. You know, or you are trying to say hello in their language. Well, I'm, I'm laughing because yeah. uh, it's actually <laughs> one of my um, one of my goals over the next couple of years to learn yeah. Swahili. Oh, very so good. It's one of my goals. Yeah. That, that that you have no idea how much that does to somebody. Well, I, I keep you hearing know, two different things. Yeah. I keep hearing, yeah, you know, Swahili. It's not that hard to learn. You'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. And then I say, oh man, like it's it's a yeah. tough yeah. language, yeah. and so it's, you know, we'll we'll see. It's yeah. yet to be seen. No, it's it's uh, it's just like any other language. Uh, English is my fourth or wow. fifth language wow but uh, but we can communicate right in english exactly right. so it's, it's just an issue of, of, of just that commitment and then the third part of course is as i said you know business just making sure that you you get what a good return of investment so that means that you have to have you know have a well-structured business plan you know right. uh, very clearly outlining what your value uh, preposition is what kind of activities uh, you will be carrying out uh, what kind of distribution channels uh, you will have, what kind of logistics are you put. And of course, what will be the cost and eventually what's your revenue. And and that is where B360 comes in naturally because uh, we are able to facilitate in all those three areas, identif- need identification, uh, need fulfillment, and ensuring that we are getting a good return on investment. And all of this is while making sure this is this is prime. Uh, at B360, our our vision, our motto uh, is 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 providing innovative solutions that transform communities and power growth. So whatever it is you're doing has to be uh, innovative, but also you're providing solutions that are transforming, that are growing a community. Uh, and, and, and powering growth on, on, on not just a, a macro, but also on, on a micro scale. Before we, uh, we, we finish off, I want to 
just get your thoughts on the latest announcement by OPIC uh, with, with the Build Act. Yeah. How do you, I mean, is that a step in the right direction? Do you think that'll improve the, uh, the working relationship between the U.S. and Africa? Or, you know, where, I guess, what, what is the Build Act solving that we've been doing wrong? Yeah, so the Build Act, uh, of course, it's, it's, it's a legislation that is supposed to increase uh, the U.S.-Africa trade volumes. And uh, by doing so, grow organizations like OPEC and all of that. Uh, and of course, I would say it is a bit, it's not too late, but it's coming almost, almost looks like a knee-jerk a reaction to what the Chinese influence in, in Africa. Uh, however, that being said, it's, it's a breath of fresh air. Uh, it means the United States has recognized and not just recognized, but has actually put in, is actually putting in place legislation policy that will definitely be a humongous boost to U.S. businesses or to U.S. interests in Africa. So, in areas like as ensuring that there's there's funding for projects, especially of uh, debt financing. So, be it in areas of for example, like in, 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 in Kenya, where they have uh, put aside uh, some of the agenda, affordable housing, uh, uh, health, uh, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and food, amongst others. But so the Build Act provides American entrepreneurs or American businesses an opportunity to interface with an organization like OPIC, which it will, will be, be transitioned to, to, I believe it's DFIC, uh, to one, develop, get debt financing that is critical for some of these projects. Initially, there was just not sufficient funding for such. It would just be maybe they fund political insurance or, you know, very small, minute projects. Of course, the amount of funding will greatly increase. You know, that, 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 that is huge. Just be able to bring in and, 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 and not just the actual amount being mentioned by the Build Act, but also attract other investors. Because money attracts money. You know, money pulls money. So that will, that, that, that will be key. But also it's just a, a, a more serious engagement with, between the U.S. and Africa in terms of just showing seriousness, but showing, an open, uh, showing uh, the willpower to come in and, and compete because that, that's what that's what Africa wants. Yeah, yeah. Africa trade, would rather want, yeah. Trade, Africa wants trade, but they want they want uh, they want trade that works for them, you know. And the reason why they turned east was trade with the U.S. Trade with the West wasn't working for them. You know, it was it was too tied up with too many items, and some of them are justifiable in that case. Uh, so the Build Act uh, is coming to show that hey, there is there is some willingness here to compete for these opportunities. Uh, and of course, on, on, on certain set of conditions, which is fair yeah. as far as uh, Africa is concerned. You know, the, the Chinese, they, they, they've done their part and they'll continue being there. But there's a willingness. There's a willingness, there's an excitement uh, that you'll find in, in, in East Africa, West Africa, in South Africa to start re-engaging with the West or uh, with the United States in, in, in light of 
of this new act. Yeah. It, it's an opportunity that is very, very welcome yeah. uh, from the African point of view, but also that will be a win-win for both the United States and Africa. I agree. So we're going to finish off with a quick fire round, okay. four questions, okay. 60 seconds per answer. Okay. Sound good? No, sure. Uh, so one thing, I, I see you have a lot of books uh, in, in the office, which, mm-hmm. I, which I always love to see. Yeah. Can you tell me what is your favorite business book of all time and why? My favorite business book, uh, that's a tough question to answer. Uh, I, I, I'm, 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 I read a lot and uh, uh, it, 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 every time it's, 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 uh, it's just uh, a different, it, it just depends uh, with what. Um, I'm a fan, I'm a fan of, of, of Stephen Covey's, uh, it's, okay. it's an old book, yeah. uh, Stephen Covey's uh, Seven Habits of, of Highly Effective People. But uh, over, over there, you can see uh, you have Jack Welch, uh, you, have, you have the Bible in Kikuyu, you have a testament, uh, you have guts. It's, it, it's a whole range. You, know? uh, you have uh, you know, market wizards and, and all of that. And, and, and some, some just general business book. So unfortunately, no one particular book, just an avid reader. So next question, outside of Nairobi and outside of Kenya, where is your favorite place to visit in Africa? Kigali. Okay. Kigali is beautiful. I, I hear that. Yeah. Everyone's been telling me that. Everyone's yeah. been telling me I need to go to Kigali. Yeah, I was Kigali. Uh, they, 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 they are really developing in leaps and bounds, especially following... The, the, of course, the, the, the genocide. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and the country has grown very well-structured, uh, a lot of, of, of positivity. Uh, I was just there last month uh, supporting the uh, Rwanda Energy Group in some of their project management processes. Uh, but just general uh, people with, 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 with a lot of hope. We've also done some work uh, with them actually right across the street on 21 and L. There's a Bourbon coffee shop. Uh, we were instrumental in that. That facilitates trade uh, or coffee trade where the farmer is able to sell their coffee directly to Washington, D.C. Uh, so Kigali, beautiful as, as a country. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, as, as a city and, and then Rwanda itself. Who is an African CEO um, operating on, on the continent right now that, that you admire and, and, and why? Dangote. Okay. I, I, like, I like what Dangote is doing. A very, very diversified field. Uh, a lot of well-structured business, uh, be it in, in, in cement, be it in, in agri-business, uh, be it in infrastructure, uh, being able to pull in a lot of investors, being able to give back a lot to the community. Yeah. So, yeah, Ali Dangonte. Awesome. And then final question is, uh, what is your favorite thing about living in uh, Washington, D.C.? I think it's, it's the kind of people I interface with. DC is a building point. It's a melting point for almost uh, the whole world. Uh, you have a lot of people from Africa on a day-to-day basis. A lot of people from Asia, people from uh, Europe, uh, be it, and you know, just interfacing with these minds on a day-to-day basis. Uh, not only at the government levels or policymakers levels, but the entrepreneurs also. Uh, and but also, it's it's, it's a great takeoff. Uh, for, 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 for business, for policy. Uh, I spend almost 50% of my time uh, traveling uh, in, 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 
various parts of the world. So it's 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 very central. But also you will find, I mean, right now where we are seated, the OPIC is just a few blocks, the World Bank, the White House, uh, the businesses, Amazon is just setting up shop right across uh, the bridge. So we love, we love it here. Awesome. Yeah. Peter, thank you so much for, no, uh, for having me here. No problem at all. Thank you very much, Andrew, for, for this opportunity. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Be sure to add Andrew on Snapchat at andberk, that's A-N-D-B-E-R-K, to see firsthand a day in the life of an entrepreneur in cities all around the world.